Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Hey, everybody. Justin Michael with Beyond Sales Development. Thank you, 10Bound. I've got Evan Carlton, who's a principal consultant. Tell me about your company. We'll just frame it up with what you're working on. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Justin. Yeah, Evan Carlton. I'm the founder and principal consultant at the Sales Development Coach. Awesome. Uh, I just launched recently helping uh, SDR leaders and uh, organizations needing SDR assistance to kind of organize some new best practices and further optimize their organization. Awesome. Well, SDR is such a passion of mine. I've called it XDR because I can't keep up with all the acronyms. I feel like Henry Ford is out there rolling in his grave as we bring Henry Ford to the process of sales development. And I posited that we need to go from Henry Ford to Tony Stark. (laughs) So I, I would imagine to be able to coach people on effective SDR, you are totally into many different technology stacks. However, what I find with folks like yourself is there's a lot of practical, fundamental basics, the stuff that gets missed, data, targeting, messaging, personalization. These are problematic. It's chaos. It's very hard to nail. Can you talk to me about sort of your philosophy toward people, process, and technology and how you're helping companies? Yeah, great question. I think that obviously having like a strong underlying tech stack and how you design that is really important. The last couple of weeks, I've been talking to a lot of people about how sales ops, unfortunately, is like a afterthought for a lot of sales organizations. They, a lot of startups, what you'll see is they hire a sales leader, they hire a few closers, then they go, oh, we need some SDRs. Now we need more closers because we have more SDRs. And then they go, oh man, this is a mess. We should hire someone in sales ops to clean this up. And really, that's not what sales ops should be doing. Sales ops should be like <laughs> the core of your organization and your go-to-market. And that's what you see really, really efficient revenue engines do is they have a really strong sales ops backbone. Mm-hmm. So many organizations today don't operate that way, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm really big on like that underlying technology and the stack and how that you, how you design that and layer it in your org is obviously important. But then the processes that you teach to your people and then your go to market strategy is also equally important. I love a lot of the, the stuff that you talk about, Justin, is about like SDRs today are becoming like cyborgs. <laughs> That's certainly how I felt when I was an SDR at NetApp. I was like part machine, part human. That's so Every exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's scary in a way. So how do you keep? How do you stay human? So yeah, I mean it's 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 a really delicate dance, right? Because people want to do a really high volume of messages, especially with outbound today. At the same time, you can't spend too much time personalizing because you start getting diminishing returns. And so I, I'm a big fan of the three by three personalization method, three pieces of personalization in three minutes or less, or, you know, four by four or five by five, depends on your business model and, and the types of personas you're selling to. If you're targeting CXOs, maybe the four by four or five by five might be, might be more prudent, but it's a delicate dance because I see a lot of folks 
think they're doing personalization by just mentioning your title. Hey, as a principal consultant, I've been talking to a lot of principal consultants lately. To me, that's not really personalized. Maybe you want more revenue. I read your, I read your LinkedIn profile. Sounds like you want to increase your pipeline. Maybe you want more revenue. It's almost comical how these generic vanilla statements, like, exactly. not enough. It's, it's just, it was curly bracket. Hey, Evan, I noticed, I noticed we have people in common on LinkedIn. This is not enough. This is, it's hilarious. I saw a post about like, your name came up. You were in my LinkedIn feed. Hey, you're breathing and you fog a mirror. I've now personalized you. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is spray yeah. and pray. Like personalization, ironically, has become the new spray and pray. That's the, like, we've killed the world. So I mean, well, that's how, do you, you, how do you fix it? Well, that's going back to your question about like, how do you stay human as a cyborg in today's like inside sales and sales development? And the biggest piece of advice I have to people is just remember that to sell is to trust, to buy is to trust. And the person on the other end of the phone, the person making that purchasing decision, they're a human being too. They've just got a job they're doing. They're trying to do their job. They have their own personal life. And so just remind yourself, the person I'm trying to sell to or I'm trying to personalize this message for is a human being as well. Would this resonate with me? Ask yourself that question. That and another great way to understand if your messaging is, is effective is get time with your prospects or customers you have a good relationship with. Maybe you built some really strong rapport as an SDR with a prospect and they became a customer for your company. Follow up with them and say, hey, Justin, I really enjoyed talking with you. It sounds like things are going great with ABC Company. Hey, I'd love to get some time from you just to learn a little bit more about what it is that you do and how I can be better at my job helping other people like you and figure out from them, from the horse's mouth, what they care about, right? That's really good advice. How much of a sequence needs to be personalized? I've seen like an 80-20 mm-hmm. real where it's 20%. You mentioned diminishing returns. I've also seen studies from parallel assisted dialers like Connect and Cell where once you get your at-bats up to 20 live conversations a day, it's a whole different ballgame. You don't even maybe need the pre-call research because you have enough live combos. It feels like 2007 all over again. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have maybe the budget to invest in these what we call the bazooka or the the weapon of mass conversation. Like it's yeah. so fun. I finally got to use one of these things. It's amazing. I'm just like sitting there, wait a few minutes, like, boop, hello. And I'm on the phone. You've eliminated, you've totally reduced the friction. Have you used any of these systems for like either dialers or partial dialers? What do you like? Like I'm, I'm so interested in your tech stacks without plugging a lot of companies or making this like sell widgets. Sure. You know, what do you like and why did you like it? And how did it lead to the outcome of either more cyborg or more human? So it's funny you bring up Connect and Sell. I was actually on the phone with Ryan Reiser just yesterday. I'm um, talking about outbound sales, no fluff, uh, chapter eight, math of sales. So I personally have not used those sorts of parallel dialers that you're referring to. I've seen them in action. I've used VoIP dialers in the past, you know, built-in dialers, but never a parallel dialer. I think if I'm being honest, even if you're using a Connect and Sell, and this is my opinion, right? Even if you're using a Connect and Sell, depending on the personas you're targeting, there still needs to be a level of personalization, right? Because if you're targeting CXOs, VPs, directors, even if you're getting a ton of at-bats, when they pick up the phone, if you just hit them with a generic pitch, it's you're, you're pro- you've probably just kind of lost that opportunity now. Now, unfortunately, you've probably done more damage than good potentially because that person has attached in their mind that brand and that experience they had for that, that person who called them that was totally unprepared. So the method that I like to use is that three by three personalization. Sam Nelson talks about this with his Agoji sequence. Do your personalization once, use it many times, right? So when you're building out the account and looking at their LinkedIn profile, company reports, the website, whatever it might be, 
go into like outreach prospect custom notes and go ahead and write in all that personalization and then maybe reference some of that in that first email or the first LinkedIn touch. Shoot, what's working really well right now is send someone like an audio or a video message embedded in LinkedIn Messenger and put that personalization into like a 15, 20 second little, little blur. I think that's working really well. And then that way, if you use a parallel dialer like that, when you do get those connects, you've got that information ready at hand. You know, it's cool. So a lot of people didn't know this, but I was involved in a book that became combo prospecting as like the cyborg rep. I use all the platforms. I test lead IQ and zoom info and seamless. I test data sources, sales Intel. I test dialers. I test sequencers. I, I'm like, <laughs> it's like a skunk works. Like, X labs yeah. at Google, like people just send me their stuff to test. Yep. And I, then I talk about it in, in books and blogs and in our interview. It's a fun thing to do. What's really weird is it's almost like a snowflake cracking an account. It's, it's different for every account, the tech stack you need to do it. And then there's some things that are very universal that you're talking about right now. When you're training teams or coaching clients, how custom is the work? Or do you have that pattern of recognition where you're like, Okay, I've cracked it exactly like this way before, so pretty much 80% is this. Yeah. And I'm just curious how you're bringing that. Another really big question I have for you is behavioral change because you're talking about embracing the cyborg, which is this futuristic way, and it's really hard for people to change their operating. They're like, we're cold call, we're old school, or we're, we're all digital sequences. Yeah. The problem is a lot of the stuff's a compromise. There's this gray area where the solution is, and if you have a dyed-in-the-wool way to go, there's – a lot to unpack here. So, uh, yeah, pick any piece of that question. I just kind of wanted to go conversation on that one. Yeah, yeah. I think that to one of your earlier question there around how I approach client work. So what I've found, generally speaking, sales development is very modular and very similar, right? There's going to be nuances based on the industry in which you operate, the types of people that you sell to, your product, your, your market. But generally speaking, in my experience, there's a lot of overlap and commonality. So I have my own kind of model that I use with clients, but then there's pieces of that that are modular and that we can customize based on their market, on their personas, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of what I would say to that point regarding like driving changes in behavior. That's tough, man. So in my last role at Matillion, I was heading up sales enablement there and it was a big change because I went from being an SDR leader to enablement, right? And so I went from having people work for me to supporting people, right? I'm in, I'm in a support function. And driving that change was challenging at times because when you're someone's manager and you tell them to do something, they'll just do it because they work for you, right? But when they don't actually work for you, a lot of times you have to almost go into sell mode and persuade people. So I would try to use data to back up what I'm saying and say, hey, look, like I get that you know that you feel you have a method that works well at this point, but it's almost like objection handling of the prospect. I get that you feel your current solution is meeting your needs, but what if I could show you that there's a better way? And when I when I say better, more efficient more effective, you're going to make more money. The business is going to grow faster. We're all going to do better, right? Why would you not want to explore that? And hey, if we try it out and your method's better, by all means, continue to do that. But if we have a way to measure and demonstrate that we have a more effective method, we should all be using that. Yeah, I love, it's funny. I talk to a lot of sales development leaders and the job is chaos. Like there's never enough time in the day so many moving parts. It's a lot like predicting weather systems. It's it's almost like being a quant. And what I find is with really strong sales development leaders, they have an operations perspective and they're kind of calm. Like you and I are having this very calm conversation, but the reality of what we do is we get on a phone and eat rocks. Like someone just said, 
you know, never contact. How'd you get my number? Never contact, contact me again. Did you buy this from a database or take yep. me out of your system? Like the level of rejection and negativity coming off of like what we're all doing. And then we're sitting here trying to make this elegant art and science picture. How do you stay motivated? How do you train? Right. And what's the future of this? Like I'm seeing futuristic systems on, you know, ways to use call coaching and mm. you know, conversational AIs to, to help optimize the coaching. Like are you using things like gong and chorus? Are you tapping into those systems when you coach people? I'm curious how deep the tech stack goes. Yeah. Um, so around like motivations, one thing I'll just say is that for anyone listening to this, if you're not excited about your company's product or service, I highly recommend that you go find somewhere to work that you will be excited because I can speak from personal experience as, as a seller, having a product or service that you're passionate about enables you to sell with conviction, right? You talk about challenging prospects and pushing back on people and they can hear it in your voice, right? And so that for me was a big part of the ability I had to overcome rejection as an SDR at NetApp. I got that all the time. Of of course, anyone that's been in the SDR function will. I'll tell you though, some partners I have at AWS, I've sat in on some of their call blitzes and I got to love the market presence they have. They'll they'll ring someone up. Hey, it's so-and-so from AWS. Hey, how can I help you? must be nice to have that kind of like notoriety in the market. But for the rest of us that don't, I think that being passionate about your product and knowing the impact that it has on your customers and on the world, for me at least, was super helpful. Because when I got the door slammed in my face over and over and over again, which happened every day, knowing in the back of my mind, I represent a great company that has a good product that's actually helping people to move forward with their business and having a positive impact on the world. For me, that that was really very redeeming. And in a sense, I took pride in that. And so I could overcome that rejection that way. You were asking about um, coaching, though, and like Gong and Chorus, Exec Vision, those sorts of tools. So I'm familiar with those sorts of tools. I have not personally used one in an organization that I've been a part of, but I've gotten a lot of exposure to all of them. I think it's really, really cool what those sorts of technologies are showing us about our behavioral patterns and how we communicate. Like one thing that I really took immediately from my first demo I had of Gong was the number of transitions, right? And you want a lot of transitions at the beginning of the call. And so you see some reps that are like, I'm a great salesperson. You know, look how often I hit quota. I'm, I'm great at what I do. But when you actually go look at Gong, you realize, dude, you're talking 80% of the call, you know, and, and look, look how long this monologue went for like four minutes. So I think it's, it's kind of raising some some questions about how we go to market, how we operate as salespeople. I think they're really, really cool tools, not to mention like some of the AI layers that are coming in now with like checking for certain keywords being used and then it's going to queue up like a, a battle card for you. That's super cool. I'm really excited about just-in-time, real-time queuing and to go into the data science of that. That is a technology called natural language processing. And that's the ability for something to be listening to us, transcribing it, the machines reading it. Similarly, you call up your health insurance and there's an IVR like, what do you want to do? Talk to an agent, talk to an agent, talk. But something can communicate with me that's listening, that's crunching. And so during this Zoom call, why am I not having, hey, here are people you know in common with Evan. Here's Evan's recent blog post. Here's the piece of his blog post. Like, let's imagine what AI could be doing for me right now under the surface, cueing me on what's important to Evan. And these are all the things that good salespeople do themselves, right? right. But it, it's a manual process. Sometimes you forget. You're you're busy listening to the prospect. You're taking notes. You're trying to pull up their LinkedIn, looking for that latest like earnings report. 
imagine if the technology you had did all that for you, right? And I, I'll take this one step further, Justin. I, I remember, you remember Google Glass? I don't know what ever happened yeah, to that, but that I, was like a thing for a while. I actually visited Google during that time. People were like eating lunch with the Google Glass. And I was like, this is starting to finally look like Back to the Future 2. <laughs> I remember when Google Glass first came out, the way I really got jazzed on that, I was, imagine being in a business setting, right? Being in a meeting or a conference, right? Networking. And, you know, you have Google Glass and you, you look at someone, I look at Justin and immediately, almost in my little like heads up display that no one else can see, I'm getting all this information queued up on Justin. You know, here's where Justin went to college. Here's your mutual connections. Here's his last job. Here's his top skills, right? News reports from the company. So then I can go up and have a super personalized conversation and sound really, really knowledgeable, right? I bet for me, I was getting super excited about that sort of technology. That was very Terminator 2 of my report. I was just joking too. It could be like abort, abort, like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nope, yeah, warm, cold. You're walking through the event. It's telling you it has higher propensity to buy. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's cool. Tire kicker. Oh, that's 100K. Go up to there. But we'll talk yeah, to him. Yeah. Just yeah. So this is a part that I love. And this is where we go towards singularity in 2050. And a lot of the prognostications. I wrote a blog post called Beyond Sales Development, Sales Runner 2049. Taking a page from Blade Runner. Love the movie. I've met Rutger Hauer. I'm from LA. So we get to do that stuff. I just think that it's like, Technology vendors need to ask the question and dream and not just keep building sales tech based on the other tech. Like, well, mm-hmm. our sequencer looks like that sequencer, but we have the data too. It's like, that's all cool, but let's get out of the white space. And what's something new? Yeah. What's a novel approach? So as you look at all this explosion of tech, some of it use, some of you don't. What are you excited about? What's missing? What would you build? I like to talk to non-engineers and technologists because I like to talk to the victim of the problem. Who's in the arena? Who's the XDR? Who's managing the XDR? Where's the real pain? Yeah. One of the big ones I've heard is I have 10 reps. They're all great closers. They're all great on the phone. They're all sending the same sequences. Why are these two wildly outperforming? I don't really know. Mm, yeah. It's because they're to- so fractured. All the tech systems don't talk. So now we yeah. zap it all together and we try to make it talk, like you said, with the sales ops. You know, where would you build? Where would you go to help these high performance teams be enabled by the technology rather than restricted by it? So a couple, I'll share a couple things with you that I, I think are really cool right now. So you mentioned Lead IQ earlier. I remember the first time I saw Lead IQ, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, right? The, the velocity with which you could build out accounts, add in personalization, custom info, you know, pull them up, queue into outreach add in quick custom notes. I mean, shoot, if you've got a sequence that you want to enroll them in and that first step of that sequence is an auto email, literally with one click, you have enrolled this person in a sequence, you've added them to CRM, they're in outreach, you've got their contact information. That's awesome. I remember when I was an SDR, we did not have anything like that. And certainly when I was a closer. So that's one type of technology that really gets me excited and seeing where that goes. Taking that like a step further, I wonder if there's, you're talking about like the natural language processing. There's certainly technologies that can identify what's on your screen, right? I almost wonder if, if that sort of technology could go a step further. And as you're going through LinkedIn profiles, it grabs the personalization for you. The AI or machine learning figures out what pieces of information you're using for personalization for maybe you can identify certain buyer personas or types of companies that you sell to. And then the AI or machine learning can identify those pieces for you. And, and shoot, it could even get to a place where it's doing the prospecting for you. We could realize a point where human beings, all they have to do is just, and then you've got connect and sell. All they have to do is just be on the line, 
Justin answers. I've already got all the personalization from in front of in front of me on Justin. I didn't do any of this research. A machine learning algorithm did all of this, and then I just add in the human element, build some rapport and some trust. So Thomas Dunges of Redpoint Ventures posits that the CRM of the future is going to literally like generate that. And I've talked about a world where the seller has an AI bot and the buyer has an AI bot, and the AIs transact at the speed of high frequency trading. So in a millisecond, all the vendor AIs and all the seller AIs hit the cloud, crunch, and then there's your match make, and it's in your CRM. So where it's really hard. I thought about that. So it's mind blowing, right? So this is, I went way ahead in this, in this post of beyond sales development to a post SDR world. However, there's been attempts and there's attempts right now to replace SDRs. But I think a lot of the artistry that you're talking about of the relevance and the personalization and why you would and thinking like them, that's where you get into exaflops of computation. Like all human computing can't even touch what you just thought of, which is the synthesis of data and then trying to tie what's personalized to what they care about and your pattern recognition and all your years of being on the planet. So I think the creativity, the imagination, the artistry and the empathy and the trusted advisor. Big gap right now is sometimes we have people the least experienced going after the prospects that have the most experience or the deepest technical expertise. And then the expectation is like set meetings and they're kind of going, you don't even understand my business, corporate executive board, like sellers don't get it. How have you crossed that chasm personally, professionally, and also taught people how to do that? How, what, what aspect is that? Because I feel like that's a big piece of nailing X, XDR right now. Yeah, really good question. And that's definitely like a very felt pain in the space and something I, I think about a lot. So there's a hashtag I used to use a lot, which is SDRs matter. I am a firm believer that the SDR function is one of the most important and underappreciated roles in any go-to-market organization. I've seen a lot of companies that treat them, it's a revolving door. They go, hey, who cares if they fail? We'll just hire more. They're just SDRs, right? They're just a bunch of college kids. And I hate that because the difference between a good SDR and a mediocre SDR is light years, right? If you have a good SDR, a really good SDR, that can tangibly, measurably move the needle for your whole business, right? And if you've got a bunch of mediocre SDRs, well, that's not going to move the needle for you. And if anything, that's a cost center. So for me, that's just one thing I wanted to start with that I, I really frustrates me that I see the I love that. taken yeah, so casually. <laughs> it's, it's so important. And, and what you're seeing more and more is this, this deeper specialization in the, in the sales process, right? The SDR does top of funnel and open. The AE closes. CSM does your onboarding. The AM does the renewal, right? Everyone's got their little piece of the pie. And then that's all they know how to do. And so I see more and more AEs don't know how to prospect, right? CSMs don't know anything about opening, right? AMs have no idea how to, you know, close new business, right? So everyone's got their own little specialization. And as a result, companies are now thinking that, oh, well, AEs are the most important because they close. So, you know, I always hear the phrase shit rolls downhill, right? And VPs of sales, CROs love to focus on the sales directors and the AEs. I get that. But if you don't have anything to, to close, right? If you don't have pipe, what are you going to close? And last time I checked, most AEs don't know how to prospect and don't do it themselves. So to me, it's just a natural conclusion that the SDR function is so critical. So anyways, moving off that, back to your question about how do you actually get people ready to sell for that? We dealt with that 100% at Matillion. So Matillion does ETL tools for cloud data warehouses. It's the first company in the world to offer ETL tools purpose-built for cloud data warehouses. 
Now, a lot of the personas we were targeting, these are highly, highly technical and highly educated people. These are data scientists. These are CIOs, CTOs, enterprise architects, ETL architects. I would always tell our SDRs, there is no way we are ever going to be on the level of our prospects. It doesn't matter how much research you do or education you get. I mean, unless you want to go get a degree in computer science, like we're, we're just never going to be on their level. We're salespeople. What we can do is know enough to be dangerous, right? And so, and it doesn't take as much knowledge as you might think to be dangerous. You just have to know enough to be able to hold a conversation and generate a little bit of interest from that person on the other end, right? And then that's where you can, you can position another conversation, have some, some uh, backup or kind of your artillery, your cavalry, which is maybe your solution architect, your sales engineer, who can really go under the hood and, and get in the weeds with them if need be. But going back, we talked earlier about interview your prospects. If you have a good relationship, that is like the most surefire way and offer them for their time. Hey, Justin, I'd love to, you know, $20 Amazon gift card so you can grab your next book on me, my way of thanking you for your time. I just want to learn more about you and what you do so I can better serve more companies and more people like you, right? I think that's like a hugely powerful thing that a lot of SDRs can do that aren't doing right now. Well, I wanted to cheer on that last bit. It was so powerful. I've made these episodes 30 minutes because who really has an hour? It's kind of like when I ask for 12 minutes of time and the prospect says, I'll give you 13. Just hilarious. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to interrupt. There's enough hour SDR programs out there to, you know, it's, it's unreal. So, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Anything else you'd like to share? We go a couple more minutes. What are some predictions you have that this is sort of the vision piece of like, okay, 2025, are some tech companies running like SDR X Machina? Like there's actually not an SDR, it's just software. How crazy could this get in the next 10 years? I talk about this with my girlfriend a lot. Um, <laughs> I grew up in the Silicon Valley and I watched the dot-com boom happen. I've always been kind of a closeted nerd. And so I like to follow just technology trends and how it's going to impact society and business. And um, I think that in time, not immediately, but maybe in 10, 20 years, we might see something closer to what you described earlier, where there's lots of AIs operating and transacting with each other. I think that for transactional sales, where you don't necessarily have to have a salesperson, right? Like I used to sell televisions at one point. I've sold used cars. I've sold firearm accessories. I've also sold data center hardware and software, and now enterprise software and SaaS, right? Some of those, the the, the aforementioned, very transactional. You could probably get away with that with an AI of some sort in time as those technologies grow and mature. Some of these more advanced types of sales that re re require a lot more consultative and like solution selling and understanding the business, maybe like selling enterprise software or data center software. I think that will still require that human element. So in, in the years to come, Justin, I, I think that we're going to see more AIs taking transactional sales jobs. I don't think anyone has to worry about their job today. But 10, 20 years from now, we may well see something like that. Last question in the last minute here. What can you do now? Let's bring out our inner nerd. Let's learn some code, some SQL. Moving from X, Excel to SQL was a great thing that <laughs> a VC told me. He didn't want to be named because I immediately quoted him. He's like, it's cool. You can take that one. <laughs> How do we inoculate ourselves? How do we future-proof ourselves against the AI? And then I'd just love to get sort of your website and your name out here so people can find you after the episode. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing you can do is like, you know, in the most basic sense, I mean, insulate yourself, put yourself in a position where you're working in an industry or in a type of role 
that is probably shielded from those sorts of things. So if you do a very transactional sale right now, perhaps look in time to further develop your sales skills and perhaps move into a deeper sales cycle or a consultative solution sales cycle, kind of insulating yourself from that in the future. Again, I don't think anyone has to worry about their jobs today, tomorrow, next year, but decades out, I think these things could happen. Yeah. And in terms of how people can find me, I'm really active on LinkedIn. Evan Carlton, feel free to check out the sales development coach. Appreciate any support. I was really inspired here. I wanted to give out a, like a brave heart cheer at a few moments. <laughs> I need to get the bumper sticker, SDRs matter, hashtag. Have an awesome rest of the day. Love to have you on again and keep sharing, tag me in all your posts and <laughs> really excited talking to you. Thanks, Thanks Justin. Again, Evan. Have a great day. Cheers.